Before I get started today, I have to say thank you as always to our sponsor, the Royal Marines Shop. This podcast couldn't happen without you. So listeners, if you want any Royal Marine branded merchandise, please make sure you head over and see what the Royal Marine Shop have to offer. What I can tell you is that you will get quality Royal Marines branded merchandise and at the end of the financial year, all of the profit that the shop makes gets bundled up and passed over to us here at RMA, the Royal Marines charity. So not only do you get quality Royal Marines branded merchandise, but you get to help support your charity at the same time. Now, I'm very excited today because I have a guest who I have wanted to get on the show for a number of months now. But because I know how extremely busy he is, I've held off. As fate would have it, he approached me, we managed to lock in a date, and we made it happen. Today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is none other than RMA, the Royal Marines Charity CEO, Mr. Jonathan Ball. I'm not going to say much. I'm going to let you enjoy this interview, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it as much as I did. It's going to give you a little bit of a an intro to Jonathan if you don't know who he is and you've not come into contact with him before. But also, and very importantly, it's going to give a bit of info on the charity, particularly with reference to current affairs and how things like COVID-19 have affected us here. So, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, as always, put your feet up, grab a wet and enjoy. Jonathan, welcome to the Charlie Charlie One podcast. I know you're very, very busy, so I appreciate you giving up your time. An hour in your position is a lot of time to give up, so I appreciate that. Um, We've got a lot to get through. I've got a, a list in front of me of questions, of hot topics that I'd like to touch on. But before I get into it, for the two people listening to this who will not know who you are and what you do, could you please uh, give yourself an introduction? Thanks very much, Mark. Really pleased to be speaking to you. So I'm Jonathan Ball. I'm the Chief Executive of RMA, the Royal Marines Charity. And I've been involved with the charity since uh, 2012. I came as the Operations Manager for what was then the Royal Marines Charitable Trust Fund. My background's a bit dodgy, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's uh, twofold. I'm, I was a Pongo um, and then a, a chaplain in the Army as well. Uh, ended up serving alongside the Corps in, uh, in Iraq. Uh, for the invasion of Iraq in 2003 okay. and then a little bit of time in Afghanistan 2002 a little bit before and so I knew a few bootnecks and thought oh well, that looks like an interesting job mm-hmm. um, I'll go for that and uh, was lucky enough to get it so here I am so now um, chief exec of a combined charity um, yeah we're going to talk about that a little bit about all the changes over the years um, but yeah so chief executive of the combined charity the RMA and the Royal Marines charity in fact, while we're talking about that, let's let's talk a little bit about those two separate entities, how they've how they've combined and become one. Well, it's it's even more than that, really. Well, what I found when I came in 2012 was that uh, on the back of Operation Herrick, there was a whole host of core-focused charities that had grown up because the core took a disproportionate hit in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest number of deaths and uh, serious injuries across the whole of the armed forces and so a lot of people wanted to help bootnecks 
So you had um, Commando 999, oh, yeah. Go Commando, yeah, the remember. C Group, yeah. um, Help Our Wounded, yeah. um, and lots of little initiatives all over the place, alongside RMA that had been there since 1946, mm-hmm. and then the Corps' own charity fund, uh, Royal Marines Charitable Trust Fund, which was set up in 2008 and then uh, established as a proper charity in 2010. So it was all that, mm. uh, totally confusing. No one knew where to go for help. Uh, supporters didn't know which one to support. I, I, I do remember that because I've been doing this now, working with the charity since 2010, and I remember exactly what you just said. It was very, it was very confusing, mm. and even internally as someone as an employee to look at all these different areas and people would often say what do they do what do they support where does the money go and and yeah it got it got a little bit confusing and so if i remember rightly so i'll just go back a little bit we talked about this off air when i first started working for the royal marines association in 2010 it was myself richie puck uh brigadier charlie hobson and then you had Rene, Wendy, and Karen in the office. So there, right. there, were, there were six members of staff. Yeah. And I think it was two years after that, that the Royal Marines Charitable Trust Fund, as it was known back then, was formed. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think the idea behind that was to cut down on that confusion, to be like an umbrella organisation. Well, RMCTF was set up really because the public was just so generous in wanting to support the Corps and, and the, the money kept coming into the Corps Secretariat and the Corps Secretariat just couldn't cope with it so at first they used Brigadier Simon Hill yeah. and then Brigadier Mark Noble yeah. to help try and corral the fund together mm-hmm. and in effect RMCTF became a bank uh, of money um, to support the Corps in grants but what we wanted to do was try and give a kind of holistic support, mm-hmm. cradle to grave, limstone to tombstone, yeah. you should say better. <laughs> I like that. You know, um, to, um, to, money isn't always the answer to a problem. Mm. It's about sorting out the right solution to a challenge. And sometimes it was the association, for those who were perhaps getting a bit older in, 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 uh, in life and needed some help and support and comradeship. Um, Sometimes it was a job, and that was what the C Group was doing. Sometimes it was a welfare grant or mm-hmm. uh, some uh, a help towards a respite break or treatment of some kind. Sometimes it was about amenities or sport support to the core. Mm-hmm. It was all very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what we wanted to do was try and bring together one organisation that could uh, support the serving corps, veterans, families, across their whole range of needs. And I think after a couple of years, that's exactly what we did, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the RMCTF merged with the C Group in 2016. Okay. It then took us a bit longer to get together with RMA in 2019. Right. And then just now, just this year, what was Commando 999, it's now Royal Marines Club, has has become a, a branch of RMA. Okay. And so we, we can do that whole service delivery now. And still go commando over there in Taunton, um, working hard to support 40 commando, and that's great. We work very closely with them. But, uh, but now we're, we're sure that we can deliver this holistic support. And actually other charities are listening to us. Last year, two parachute regiment charities uh, saw what we did as a good model. So, you know, uh, uh, Lovett is leading the Maroon Mean Machine, um, clearly, and we're working together to encourage 
more naval charities to work closer together so that the support given to Jolly Jack can be uh, on, a, on a more holistic basis like ours is. So others are following us. Okay. Um, now over the course of several of these, these podcast episodes that I've done, what my aim has been is to try and highlight all the different areas of the charity because mm. I think sometimes from an outsider's point of view, people look in and go, oh, okay, you've got RMA, the Roman charity, we'll give money to them, they'll look after the lads. Mm-hmm. But as I know and you know, we offer a, a lot of different services. Yeah. And it's not just for serving guys, it's not just for retired guys, it's the whole of the, the wider Royal Marines family. So maybe let's touch a bit on the, the extent of the services that, that sure. we do offer out there to try and yeah. raise a bit of awareness for that in yeah. case anyone listening might be able to benefit from our support. Sure, yeah. Well, the, the starting point, actually, is um, the uh, morale and well-being of, of the Corps itself. Um, that's where the, the Royal Marines Charitable Trust Fund came from. It came from something called the 1939 War Fund, originally, okay. which was about supporting well-being, uh, welfare, mm-hmm. and retention in the Corps itself. And that's about funding regimental life, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's uh, welfare facilities, regimental families days, sport, um, adventure training, uh, support to families on camp. Uh, it's all about helping people to feel valued when they're in the core and feeling their families are looked after. So that's an important aspect to what we do. Yeah, um, I think, sorry to jump in, but I'll just give a, a Paydays given brief on Friday yeah. to the recruits mm-hmm. in week 28. And it's a new brief, it's not one that I've yeah. done before. And one of the things, what I think they were actually really, really pleased to hear was when I talked about, um, when you're talking about morale and retention, was Virginia Gauntlet, too. Yeah. And, and yeah. they, they knew what it was, but they didn't know why it was, I think. Mm-hmm. So I explained, you know, that we contributed mm-hmm. um, quite a hefty sum financially to send the lads out to America yeah. to whip the USMC into shape yeah. uh, to, to raise morale because there wasn't anything going on. There was no Iraq, there was no Afghan. Guys yeah. get a little bit twitchy, morale's down. And actually the stats on that slide, what I told the lads was that seven guys who were going to put their chit in rescinded and, and took it out and that it cost £125,000 per guy to put through Limston, effectively saving, I think it was, if my maths are right, £850,000. That's right, yeah. We effectively saved the Serving Corps by jumping in and doing that. And that's yeah. not something immediately that people on the outside, I don't think, would imagine that we do. No, no. So we, we know last year through the work that we did that we've saved the Ministry of Defence nearly £6 million. Pounds. Hmm. Um, just another stat, I mean, we've got that alcohol education specialist and advisor, yeah. and she supported 23 Royal Marines battling alcohol addiction last year, mm-hmm. who would have been medically discharged. When you multiply 23 by £125,000, you're getting into really serious money there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we're working our hardest uh, for retention in the Corps at a time when the Corps is facing a manning challenge. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things, uh, one of the slides that popped up in the presentation was, and you can probably explain this a lot better than I can, was the social value, I yeah, think it's called. Right, yeah. um, which, if, I, if I'm right, basically means if you intervene, for example, with alcohol addiction early, 
you know, something that could lead to potentially homelessness, joblessness, breakdown of relationships, etc. We get in there early. You save, you just said six million to the MOD, you save having that huge expense down the line. Is that correct? Well, yeah, we're working with an organisation called the Social Value Portal, Mm -hmm. which uses government approved metrics to measure the impact of what it is that you do. And we've got 63 different metrics that we capture every month across our welfare team, employment and education, membership and uh, amenities and core life uh, grants team. And what we do is we we feed them into an online portal Mm -hmm. that has a value attached to what we do. And I'll give you one example here that um, if you help somebody who's being medically discharged or compulsorily discharged mm-hmm. into employment, because they're not going on the dole, it saves the government uh, over £19,000 a year. Per in, person? Yeah, per person. So um, uh, time and effort put into getting somebody into employment is not only good for their independence and dignity and well-being, and mm-hmm. so they can be a taxpayer, mm-hmm. like you've said yourself about yourself, yeah. but it means you're saving the state a large amount of money. So we know that last year, in 2019, we created, it's the word that they use, over £4 million worth of social value. And that's in addition to the £1.9 million in grants that we gave. So we know that if you give us a pound to support our work, we can turn it into £2.68 worth of value. Mm -hmm. And that's a good bang for your buck. Yeah, another, going back to the presentation, another another stat that um, I threw at the lads was for every £10 that they donated through paydays Mm. given, we could spend, I think, £14.53? That's right, yes. So, in addition to what the lads give themselves, and it's brilliant, 9 out of 10 Royal Marines support the day's pay giving Mm -hmm. scheme. Fabulous. And the other, the other... The other one is normally out on a posting with the army or with NATO or something like that. So most people give in. Um, But the charity gives more than that. And also there are historic investments. So we add what the lads pay across the whole year that equals a day's pay Mm -hmm. to the investment income that comes from those funds. And then the charity puts more money on top. Mm. So we're putting back into the core more than the core gives us. But the important thing is, is that the core helps itself. Mm-hmm. So before we go out and ask the people on the street to support the Royal Marines, we can say we're helping ourselves. Oh, okay. And in addition to the £600,000 that the lads raised from the day's pay giving scheme in a year, this year the core family themselves have dug really deep during COVID. They'll have produced about £350,000 themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's nearly a million pounds has come from the core family itself. And that's a good message before you ask for money for other people. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to, I'm going to dive into COVID in, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But while we're on stats, I know that you've prepped for this. Let's, let's geek out a little bit. If you've got any more stats, I'd love to hear them. Well, just, <laughs> what we try and do is capture the number of charitable interventions, is what we call it, that we do through the year. So in other words, the number of hits that we do across the core family. Okay. And we know that last year... And this is at least, because we can't capture them all, there were 16,092 charitable interventions. So you you might say, well, there's only 6,500 people in the court, but of course they've got families as well, Mm -hmm. dependents. So we know we can do over 16,000. And amongst those 16,000, there's a magic number for those who are in serious need. And last year, it was 1,662. 
Now, I don't want to say, oh, I wish there'd been two no. more, you know, because I don't want anybody to be in need. But last year, um, we were able to help 1,662 individuals who really were up the creek uh, and their families. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's up from 1,404 the year before. So need is up. We, we managed 22% up our supported people with benevolence support. Helping people into work who've been compulsory discharged, 29% up. Mm -hmm. The number of people we supported going through our veterans referral plan with psychotherapy, 16% up. In fact, we supported more in the core across every aspect of our work last year. And that's something I'm really proud that we were able to do. And do you know what, the, the thing is for me, when you talk about things like getting people back into employment and, you know, especially the guys that are struggling when they're outside, and then this is a message that I've heard as well through, you know, my network, social media and stuff, is it, it really hits home that once a Marine, always a Marine isn't just something we put on a t-shirt, we, we live it every day and we let those lads know, whether they're struggling or not, whether they've gone out and been this massive success, it doesn't matter, once Marine, always Marine, they're always part of this core family, they're always welcome and we're always here for them. Yeah. So what we, we, we're really committed to helping people, particularly who are losing their jobs at the moment because mm -hmm. of COVID, um, to, to get them into work if they've lost it. Uh, be, so once they've gone outside, we're not gonna forget them at all. Right. Um, and in fact, we're working with a, uh, a new charitable interest company uh, called Bootnecks Into Business okay. to, to help uh, those who are going outside and veterans as well to stay in work and to stay in engaging and uh, uh, really fulfilling work for the rest of their lives. So as you say, it's, it's, a, it's a community for the rest of your life. And that's a, another really nice thing that I see across social media and, and through, through work is people like Bootnecks into business, other people that are out there that are successful, reaching out to us and saying, this is what we do, we wanna help um, either you or, or the members of the core family with whatever they need help with. Yeah, sometimes they're Bootnecks themselves. There's a fabulous mm -hmm. bloke called Lee Hallam, who had a Lee short, short yeah. career in the core, yeah. but um, uh, went outside, really got down in the doldrums, uh, was actually on, on the verge of, of going under bad style. But then he set up a fabulous uh, tech company, mm -hmm. Lindbrook, up in the north in Sheffield. Got franchises all over the country now. Nice. Has given jobs to oh, two dozen bootnecks at least. And uh, so he, he's still giving back mm -hmm. to his core. And there are others outside too who just recognise the value of the skills that bootnecks have, yeah. the mindset. Um, and so what it's about is not feeling sorry for somebody who's left the core out and giving them a job. Mm -hmm because otherwise they're going to get into trouble. It's about saying, that bootneck can make my business more successful. Mm -hmm. And actually there's a crying need for leadership skills out there in the wider world. And Royal Marines can supply it. Yeah, especially with the resilience that, yeah. that we learn throughout our career, throughout training. Yeah. Now we've said it like two or three times now, that, that C word, mm -hmm. uh, COVID. Now, I just want to, dig in a little bit about how that's impacted the charity because you know you see in the media how businesses are going under and struggling <clears throat> you know organizations are struggling and charities have been massively hit as well mm -hmm. um, so how has how's COVID affected us? Well like everybody else as you say the impact of COVID has been massive mm -hmm. um, primarily we haven't been able to deliver the fabulous 
membership events program, which we were able to roll out and improve on last year. Um, nothing at all has happened on large scale no. this year. And that's particularly impacted on bringing people together to support them, to give them mental resilience through all this. From our 15,500 members, over 400 of them are aged over 70 and have had to be self-isolating for a period. And actually that's had a good result because of COVID, because it's brought the members together. The branches have been working really hard to support mm. those isolated members. And uh, it's almost like they've, uh, they've got a mission. Yeah. And uh, they've had their orders mm -hmm. and uh, they, they know their objectives and they've gone out to get them. And that's been a really good aspect of COVID. Um, on the welfare side, it's been much harder to support people because you couldn't do one-to-one -one support. It's okay. had to be remote through Zoom um, or now kind of socially distanced if it needs to be face-to-face. -face. So not great. And what we have noticed is, is that those who've had mental health problems have reacted in one or two ways. They've either... Um, battened down the hatches, gone under, and it's more difficult to support them because you don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Or their problems have been exacerbated by being so isolated. Mm -hmm. So providing that kind of support, particularly to mental health and alcohol addiction, has been much more challenging and a lot more people are asking for help now. Mm -hmm. On the employment front, all the medical boards stopped, so nobody was discharged. Okay. So now, all the discharge boards have started up remotely, so they're actually discharging people at a faster rate to try and catch up. Okay. So that means there's a lot more people to support yeah. uh, going outside. There's normally every year up to 150 are medically discharged. Okay. So we, our aim is to try and support all of them or offer support to all of them. Mm -hmm. We're up at about the 50% mark at the moment. Um, also, um, of course, COVID's hit the fundraising. We, we've lost 50% of our income this year. Yeah. Uh, we did think it might be up to two and a half million pounds, but actually the community's really rallied around, but we'll still be about 1.8 million under mm -hmm. what we thought we were going to raise. And that hits, of course, um, income against expenditure. Yeah. We're undoubtedly going to be over a million pounds in deficit this year. Now, we're lucky. During the Herrick years, we raised a lot of money, particularly in the 350 year in 2014. So we've got reserves to ride it out this year, but we can't do it next year. Okay. So then that's a challenge that a lot of charities are facing. We won't go under, but it has been a difficult hit. So I oil up the chain on my handbike get my helmet out and try and get a fundraiser going on, try well, and plug that deficit. Yeah, Heroes at Home has been fabulous. Yeah, nearly £100,000 uh, raised actually a lot by members themselves through the various branches mm -hmm. uh, and by some of the units as well. So mm -hmm. the core family helps itself. It's been just brilliant. Um, but uh, what I just ask of people is, is that, yeah, by all means, raise money for the NHS because they've been hoofing. But do you know the NHS has been passing people to us with mental health problems because they mm -hmm. don't have the resources to support them? Mm -hmm. We're saving the NHS a huge amount of money yeah. as well as cutting the waiting lists for people with mental health needs. Mm -hmm. um, we can put them into therapy within 15 days. Sometimes it's eight or nine months to be treated on the NHS. Okay. Last year we saved the NHS over £400,000. Wow. This year it's going to be more because they just can't cope with the bow wave of people who need support. So by all means support the NHS charities, yeah. but remember your own. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So there's got to be one or two 
positives that have come out of this situation. Yeah. Um, should we talk about them a little bit? Yeah, well, sure. Well, I pointed to one already, and that's the way the branches have been supporting vulnerable members. Mm. But actually, um, it, Heroes at Home has brought the online community together, mm. online engagement with our core family. And there's about 120, 130,000 in the core family. Mm -hmm. It's just gone through the roof. We're touching over 1.3 million on Facebook now. Okay. We've got levels of engagement that we've never had before through mm -hmm. social media. And that's all because of COVID, because we've been apart, and that's been really positive. We've also been able to, if you like, really look at how we run the charity, how we deliver what we do. Mm -hmm. We've been able to reshape it, restructure it, so it's more effective mm -hmm. for next year. And uh, that's something that we might not have done if it hadn't been for COVID. And yeah. um, that's a positive. And also, we've just learned where the need is more. We've, we've learned to, to target our resources where we know the help's really needed. So we'll be able to do better in the next year. So COVID's brought a lot of silver linings. Yeah, I mean, there's never going to be, there's never not going to be a need for that physical face-to-face -face interaction, yeah. you know what Richie and Phil do when they're yeah. traveling all over the country, engaging with branches and members, you know, face-to-face -face support, particularly with mental health, if it's therapy and stuff like that. But I think online is, it's not going anywhere, is it? And, and that's the way a lot of stuff has to go. And we can reach more people. You know, we can. Yeah. Richie and Phil can't just jump in a car and maybe go to Thailand to support someone no. or Malta or wherever it is. But online, digitally, we can yeah. do a lot through that. So, yeah, I think that's a, that has been a huge positive. Yeah, and we, we've got to remember, RMA is a global organisation. Absolutely. Uh, we're 88 branches, uh, 17 of them virtual, you know, sports-related, arts-related. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way the arts branch has taken off over the last year is amazing. And this is something you can do globally easy. Um, and we've got 12 overseas branches as well. So um, we, we want to improve the online presence. We're going to get a new website at the start, by the start of next year because the current one isn't fit for purpose. It's just an, a merger of the previous two. Okay. We've got a new database coming online so members will be able to engage with us better online. Mm -hmm. And then we'll try and improve our digital content as well next year mm -hmm. so it'll be more engaging. We've got a hoofing bloke called Ormrod who, who, <laughs> who, who produces a lot of our stuff. And also a great bloke behind the scenes, uh, Andrew Pigeon, who's, yeah. who's worked for us for a, a few years now. Yeah. And uh, he's going to champion our comms uh, behind the scenes with you doing it up front. And it, it can only get better still. I think the whole, the whole team just across the road in the office, you know, I only work in the office one day a week. And uh, since I've been doing that, just to see the, the level of dedication and innovation. You know, we were talking this morning in the office about live streaming certain events because of the, again, online engagement that that gets from the core family. Well, yeah, we, we live streamed the King's Squad Pass Out Parade last yeah. Friday, reached 35,000 people. Yeah. And uh, when Gordon Ramsay's boy was, of course, was one of them. Mm -hmm. So that then was a platform on which to redo the Lifting the Lid uh, suicide yes. prevention campaign. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's reached over a million people. And in fact, the, the wider world is so impressed with lifting the lid. And I, I can't thank Phil Spencer enough for helping produce the films and the material with Danny Egan. The Samaritans, the NHS, the Zero Suicide Alliance have all picked up on it and all said what good material it is. And as we run up to Remembrance, the BBC are going to be using some of the material. And so what we're trying to do is not just support the core family, but actually 
spread the commando mindset outside our own community first to understand yeah. react adapt overcome we've got a lot to teach the world out there and uh, and that's what we'll be trying to do um, over the next year or so now we touched briefly just now on membership I want to kind of switch things up a little bit and talk about that side mm -hmm. of, of the charity so one, one of the things one of the messages I'm really keen to spread and, and I tell this to the recruits all the time I'm like this this is not mm -hmm. just about you serving this is not just about me as a veteran this is about the wider core family which includes supporters mm -hmm. you know who are thoroughbred civilians and and their networks and, and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff so my point is there are there are several different kinds of membership within yeah. the army you do not have to be a retired or a servant bootneck to join you can you can join as a, as a civilian so what kind of memberships are there so if you're a bootneck yourself whether you're serving or veteran you can be a full member of the association mm -hmm. um, if you're close family of a bootneck you can be an associate member okay if you are just a, a, a friend, a supporter of the core, then you can be a, a supporter member. So there are three types of membership, mm -hmm. and we're looking into actually getting a fourth type, a corporate membership for companies that want to support as well. Okay. But the fact is that there's no A team, B team, C team in what you can take part in. Mm -hmm. If you're a member, you're a member, mm -hmm. and that entitles you to attend all the events, it entitles you to take part in everything we do. Um, have to stress that uh, uh, membership is free, whichever category it is. Um, we just hope that uh, there'll be a little bit of a regular donation back in mm -hmm. uh, to, to cover costs. But um, membership is free and um, it's about belonging. And what we know for sure from our stats is that most of the people that ask for our welfare assistance when they're really in trouble are not members. Okay. If you're a member, you're actually less likely to really get in the SHIT. Okay. Membership is good for you. Then what we're trying to do is promote good mental health, mm -hmm. good physical well-being through membership events and activities. Mm -hmm. So we want people to join because it is just quite simply good for you. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be a member to be a beneficiary of the charity. If you're a bootneck, you're a beneficiary. Yep. If you're immediate family of a bootneck, you're a beneficiary. But membership is not just about asking for help when you need it. It's about contributing to and benefiting from just belonging to the family. Yeah, I remember speaking to a member probably about six or seven years ago. And uh, this is when it wasn't free, but it was only about, I think it was £10 a year. And I was asking him, I think it was the first time that he went to the reunion weekend and he, he told me it was his first time and I said, oh, you know, are you a branch member, what did you get up to? He says, I didn't want to be a branch member, I didn't want to go out and do fundraising, this is the first time I've come to this event, all I wanted was that membership card in my wallet, mm -hmm. so when I was struggling a little bit, I would flip it open, mm -hmm. I would look at it, I would see my face next to a Globe and Laurel, I'd remember what I'm capable of, what I'm about what kind of family I'm a part of, and then that would help me shake it off mm -hmm. and crack on it. And I found that really powerful. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was all he wanted was that little ID mm -hmm. card to say, come on, mate, you're, you're an ex-boot, get on with it. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that for me was something, a message I spread 
Um, every time I spoke with the recruits or with anyone, you know, just the power of being in the core family. Yeah, and that's the bedrock for everything we do. But if there's another way of bringing people together on top of that, even better. Mm. Um, we've now got a gig boat branch. That's the latest yeah. virtual branch. Yeah. Fabulous. Um, huge rugby branch. Yeah. Um, the musicians and artists branch over the last years have really taken off. And so there's something for everybody. It's a motorcycle branch. I've seen those boys yeah, with their leather jackets. Yeah. Football. Yeah. Um, and as well, I think I'm right in saying if there isn't a branch that is of interest, you can create one pretty easily. Up. That's right, very easily. The spec branches as well. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen the LC so, one, the PTI one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's no, nothing's off limits. And, really, and geographical branches aren't dead. I mean, we've just got a new Eastbourne branch just got off the ground. Yeah. And uh, it's not about blazers, medals first Thursday reading the minutes of the last meeting mm. it's it's about getting together and enjoying being a part of the family exactly now this year has been pretty challenging as we've already talked about I don't see that slowing down very much in the next 12 months even if you know this whole COVID thing finished tomorrow there's going to be a, a bow wave you know of after effects of it so what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for us over the next 12 months biggest challenge is just to cope with, overcome the challenges of the changing situation. It's mm -hmm. constantly fluid. Can you have meetings? Can you have events? Okay. Um, can you do one-to-one -one support? Uh, can we do some fundraising? Uh, and so it's just getting the mindset in place mm -hmm. to be able to deal with the need to be flexible and agile at all times, focused on the need to support our core family. And that's the biggest challenge is just dealing with that constant change. Mm. Um, but we know where we think the hits are going to be on the welfare needs. We are engaging with the core to see how we can help retention and morale within the core next year under these new, more difficult circumstances. Okay. We're wanting to get where we sat here, the Gordon Messenger Resilience Centre, yep. up and running and off the ground, going full whack to try and help make the core family a stronger organization a stronger family um, and of course we've got a big challenge in our finances we've got to try and get cleverer about how we raise the income we need to do what we do mm. so we're going to try and get into earning money rather than just asking people to give it to us the okay. Gone Wild Festival at Powderham Castle next August Bank yeah, Holiday weekend awesome. it's going to be hoofing mm -hmm. if that works well that will earn us a lot of money over the next five years mm -hmm. um, we're also looking into other um, ways that we can actually invest in things that bring us a return okay. um, I c can't talk about them at the moment nope, because obviously. we haven't sorted them mm -hmm. but also we are planning um, to get our proper fundraising up and running off the ground in the middle of next year in the meantime we're going after trusts and foundations that support charities like us and we've got some very significant regular donors um, but what I would say, my, my ask to people is really, first of all, my ask of you for next year is join, if you're not a member. Yeah. More importantly than anything, join. Secondly, if you can try and give us a small monthly donation, that's far more valuable to us than an occasional larger donation, yeah. because we can plan. Do you know what I was thinking? I was thinking about this the other day in the car, and I think membership is at uh, maybe 16 and a half thousand now? It's uh, 15 and a half, yeah. And yeah. I just thought to myself, if maybe if each one of those members set up a direct debit for one pound a month, yeah. 
which, which no one misses, is a pound times 15,500, yeah. which is growing yeah. every month, yeah. then I think that could solve a, a huge number of our issues. It'd um, be fabulous, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's something we can look into, I don't yeah. know. Because um, and if you pay tax, you can gift aid it as well, so it's worth, oh, a, yeah. quarter, it's worth a quarter more. Wow, so yeah, £1.25. So, and who doesn't like robbing the government? <laughs> <laughs> right, so I was going to ask you next, what has been your biggest achievement as CEO? But before I do that, I want to know what's been the biggest challenge as a CEO, and I'm sure there are many, and that you know daily. To be honest, the answer to the both questions is exactly the same, and oh. that's merging together all these organisations into one whole service delivery, mm. amazing charity for the core family. Um, it was really difficult to get it done um, because th this. Charity law has got so complex now, mm. and so you can't just smash two organisations together. There's a lot of hoops you have to jump through, um, and it's all about risk, it's all about proving that you're going to do it for the beneficiary and, and not for the organisation itself. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of legal, financial stuff to do, as well as actually persuading um, people to support the merger. Um, okay. So that was a huge challenge. Um, it's also what I'm proudest of what we've been able to do in, in the eight years that I've been with the, uh, the charities. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the same, I just think it's an amazing charity. We're being picked up now in parliamentary and third sector reports as being a, a sector leader. We punch above our weight. Absolutely. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, and, and that's really great to know that others are following our example. And it, it's, it's nice to hear that, considering how small we are compared to the, some of the bigger beasts in our sector that are out there. And, you know, as an ex-bootneck, I've seen it a lot over, you know, 15, 20 years. We, we do lead the way, yeah. you know, in, in a lot of areas, like you said, where you've got other organisations now coming in, they've seen what we do, they like it, they want to kind of replicate it, we're getting mentioned in, you know, important circles, and not only as an employee, but as a, a former bootneck, that, I, I like that, you know, it's really nice to see that we do that out the core as, as much as we do in the core. Well, that, that's the point, it's, it, we're part of the core, mm. so we do the same as the core does in defence. You know, the, the core is about four, four and a half percent mm -hmm. of the UK armed forces, perhaps even smaller, producing over 45 percent of special forces. Mm -hmm. So the core punches above its weight mm -hmm. in the UK defence forces. So we're just doing the same outside in the wider world. And uh, so it's, it's, it's just a bootneck thing, isn't it? You lead the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even if you have got a pongo in the charity. <laughs> Well, I, I think, you know, the, the whole merger, I sat on the outlines and I, and I saw the hard work that went on for, God, it must have been close to two years, maybe more, to probably longer. Five. Okay, yes. five years. And yes. um, to get to this point, and, and I think it's been a massive success. Um, and no one that I've spoken to has said anything contrary to that. And again, we, we're just going from strength to strength to strength. And it's an organisation that I'm, first of all, grateful to be a part of and, and second of all really proud to be a part of um, to go out and, and to help represent the charity when everyone else sees the good work that's going on behind the scenes you know they don't see necessarily the extreme hard work 
you know, and all the people that go above and beyond in, in the organization to get to where we are. Um, but I think it's been a huge, huge success so yeah, far. I'm, I'm very proud and humbled to be part of it and hope to be part for a, a little while longer yet till I get kicked out. Now, I said at the beginning, Jonathan, your time's very valuable. Uh, I know you've got to get off, you've got meetings with all sorts of important people. Just to finish then, what can people do in, uh, what can people do rather that are listening to this now to help support the charity? I think, I, think uh, I, I might already have said it, this join. More yep. than anything else, join. Which you can do online yeah. on the website. Yeah. Secondly, volunteer. Come mm-hmm. and help us. Come and support us as a volunteer. Thirdly, if you can, a small regular donation. Uh, and, uh, and finally, I think like, share, go online. Yeah. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Get the message around as, far, as much as you can. Yeah, help us increase our digital yeah. footprint to reach as many people as we can. Yeah. I will put all the relevant links and everything that people need for our social media to join as a member if they want to set up a regular donation to do that as well. Um, but unless there's anything else you want to add, no? Yeah, Jonathan, thank, thank you. you very much. I, I appreciate yeah. your time. I'll let you run off now because I know you've got lots of meetings, but thank you. Appreciate you, Jonathan. Thanks, Mark. Well, there you go. For those of you that didn't know Jonathan before, I hope you enjoyed that intro. Lots of facts, lots of figures, lots of metrics, lots of numbers to do with the charity. I don't think anyone knows the charity inside and out more than Jonathan. So I hope you guys have all got a much better understanding of some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. As always, thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to the podcast, for rating the podcast, for sharing the podcast. And thank you again to our sponsors, The Roaring Shop. Guys, until next time, stay safe and I'll speak to you soon.